It's time for the Retire ASAP Podcast. Here's your host, Taylor Fike. Welcome to the Retire ASAP Show, where our goal is to get you free from work as soon as possible. My name is Taylor Fike, and with me I have my co-host, Brad Fike. That's me. What's up? How oh, are you? Hello. How are you? You know, just heading through the new year so far. It's been quite the uh, exciting start to it. But uh, here we are today, almost to the middle of January at this point. Yeah, just ducking the drama of DC. Ducking the DC drama. Yeah. I feel like that could be a headline. I think it should be Duckin' DC, baby. Duckin' DC. Well, <laughs> and that could be taken very different ways, you know. Uh, we won't go where I'd like to go with that, <laughs> but you know. Well, as you know, on our show, we talk about all kinds of different things to help you get retired early. So a lot of our clients that we work with in our office are looking to retire before age 65. And so we have lots and lots of conversations built in around that. And so this whole podcast is designed as an educational tool for you to get some of those tips and hints and ideas to move you towards retirement, whether you're on your own journey and you're doing things on your own or whether you're looking for an advisor and maybe some help along the way. This is just one of those uh, resources for you to utilize. So lately, if you joined us for our last episode at the beginning of January, we're in a series called uh, the Retire ASAP Quick Guide. And so what we're doing is we're covering three things that you can do today to jumpstart your retirement. And if you remember from our last episode, we talked about taking an inventory. And really, it's kind of one of those things that nobody ever wants to do is write down everything you have, figure out where things are at, get yourself organized so that you know where you stand. Because if you don't know where you're at, how are you ever going to get where you're going? And so that was uh, the last episode. You can check that out in the archives. Now, as for the rest of our series, we're on the second point. And the second thing, and we talked a little bit about this, is we we think that if you want to jumpstart your retirement, you need to analyze your portfolio. You need to look at your investments. And investments are a broad term, right? It includes anything from real estate to your 401k at work to maybe that Robinhood account that you have on your phone where you're trading individual stocks. Investments cover a broad scheme of things. And so today, what I want you to do is I want you to analyze your portfolio. Because again, if we don't know where we're at, how are we going to know where we're going? So you've taken an inventory, you know you have these accounts. Well, let's dig a little bit deeper into the next step and say, what exactly is in these accounts and what are their purpose in the grand scheme of things? So in your experience, Brad, I know that you've had lots and lots of conversations with clients on all different walks of their retirement life. What do you see about people and what they have in their portfolios and, and kind of how is it put together and all those types of things? Well, it, you know, this whole process starts with the inventory, which is uh, just like a computer, garbage in, garbage out. So if you don't spend uh, time on that inventory and gather that information correctly, then the step we're talking about today is going to be completely jaded, not accurate, and really you're doing yourself a huge disservice. So we need to make sure that the inventory is accurate. What I see when I do finally get an inventory in my hand and we start the process of analyzing is I'll find that people have gone through life and gathered stuff from everywhere. Okay, I might have some bank accounts, might have some CDs, might have some a money market account, different stuff at the bank. I might have an annuity or two that somebody talked me into because I went to the steak dinner. Nothing uh, like a free steak dinner to exactly. sell you an annuity. And I got myself locked into some annuity for 12 years. And then, uh, you know, I'm going to run into people that have investment accounts, retirement accounts, mostly 401ks, uh, accounts such as that, IRAs, Roth IRAs those kind of things. And so 
they may not be looked at to work together. They just happen to be picking pieces and parts, as I've used before, off the shelf at the grocery store, right? Yep. With no thoughts as to why I'm doing it. Yeah, like when you go to the grocery store hungry. Well, that sounds good. Oh, that sounds good too. And eventually get to the cash register to go, why do I even have all this stuff, right? And I think probably one of the most interesting conversations I have with clients is once they've finished their inventory, I may say, okay, so you have this Roth IRA, you have this 401k at work, you have these different things. What was the, uh, what was the main purpose of that? The silence just continues. <laughs> they stare at me kind of <laughs> like, well, uh, I don't know. I thought I was supposed to have it. And so then my follow-up question is always like, well, what, what's in this account? That's usually, you know, why? Because a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA, you can have just about anything tied into an account like that from, you know, your checking account at the bank of some sort of savings account all the way up to an individual, you know, brokerage account that has individual stocks in it. So you can have all kinds of different stuff. So I always ask, so what's in it? Well, whatever they told me to put in there. And so this is a normal conversation. And, and rightfully so, because the normal person who's building their retirement funds, they're so busy with their life. You know, they got kids, they got a spouse, they have a job of their own that has nothing to do with investments, and they have their own profession that they're focused on. They don't have time to do the research and decide what's going into these things. So a lot of times what they do is they take the easy route out and go, well, this is what was suggested to me, and this is what I just went with, without ever asking the question, of why. Right. And you know, what I run into, another thing I run into quite frequently and just ran into yesterday is somebody who owns an individual stock here or there. And sometimes they're speculative penny stocks. Mm. And they just did it because somebody they work with said, oh, this is going to be a killer. You're going to make a killing on this. I'm telling you. And you buy it, you know, put 500 or a thousand dollars and it's not really a big loss, but it's a Vegas move. And, you know, you hold it for 10, 15 years and finally realize, you know, this thing's still worth like five cents a share. So well, I might as well get rid of it. And then you find out it costs you as much as what you got into it to, to get to out sell of it. it. <laughs> but, you know, those things I see a lot too, where people, it's, somebody tells them, oh, you need to go get this. Or, you know, the hot one now is you, you should get some Bitcoin because it's, you Ooh. know, it's really up. Well, you better get your wallet out for that one. You're talking right down the alley of my group chat. So I have a text message group with about five other guys and they're always asking me, what stock should I buy in my, in, you know, my stock account? And I'm going, I have no clue because as you and I well know with all of our research, you can't really time the market or pick anything out of the market without already using the news that's already out there. So these, the news is already priced into the stock. So these guys are asking me, you know, well, what's going to be the next big move? And my, and my kids, I always say, I just say, Whatever you think it's going to be is probably going to be just about as much as I know because they're, they want to know, well, where's Bitcoin going? And is it going to be a thing? Or they want to talk about 5G and all the microchips and those companies. I go, I don't know anything more than you guys do. You know, I have the same access to the same news. So whatever price you think it's going to, that's a guess. You're predicting. There's no science behind that. And it's always so funny because that's how people sometimes build their portfolios, just like you say, off of the whim of, well, I read this news article one time and they mentioned this company. Company and well, it sounds pretty darn good. Well, look at Tesla. It's zooming. I think I'll jump in on it. Yeah, now's a good time to jump I, in on it when it's already know, grown seven times. It could be times. the next Amazon. Who knows? But it also could be the other direction. That's right. You know, this is the garbage of the news today. You know, not only is the news garbage in political world, but it's also garbage when they talk about investments because there's always a guy out there who's going to prognosticate and tell you what this, uh, you know, Bitcoin's going to go to $65,000 a coin. Okay. But, you know, 
you go, why? What, what's the point? Of, how do you know that? You don't know that. So mm-hmm. anyhow, that's not just Bitcoin. It's not just Tesla, but it's it's all the different little investment perks out there. And, it, and it's the it's the greed factor, right? That people end up picking some of that little stuff because they're getting a little off course there. But that's what I see is sometimes people either one with the, the stuff that they have, they've gathered, they either got too paranoid and went and bought bank accounts because they were afraid of everything at the time and just never moved it, or they got greedy and listened to somebody and got wanted, into something they may yeah, regret, you know, wanted to buy wheels on a skateboard or something. Yeah. So really, when, when we do portfolio analysis in our office for our clients, uh, and, and again, if, if I could reiterate on this podcast 100,000 times, we talk a lot about our clients, but the reality is this is an educational podcast. So this is your disclaimer. Anything we say in here isn't advice. We're not giving you specific advice to go out and take. What we're doing is we're giving you helpful hints and education that's going to move you forward in your retirement journey. But really, if you want to take your next steps, you should really talk to an expert, whether it's a financial advisor, tax advisor, legal advisor, whoever you need to talk to, because we're not that person for you right now. Now, some of our clients do listen to this podcast, which is totally fine. But just remember, if you are a client listening, we're not talking about your specific situation right now. So make sure you call us and set up an appointment and talk through these things before you make any decisions whatsoever. So with that out of the way, exactly what you're saying. It's it's really interesting when it comes to analyzing your portfolio, because what we do is we ask just a few questions. And one of the major questions is, why do you own that? And there's got to be some sort of reason behind that. I kind of joked earlier that most people don't have a reason for having certain things. But the reality is, if you are going to have an investment, you better have a purpose for it. And when we build our financial plans for clients, we say, this is the purpose for this investment. And so what are some of the purposes that you may have um, when you're building a portfolio, Brad? What are some of the purposes that certain investments may have? Well, to keep from going too deep into the weeds here. Which we could go very deep. <laughs> this could be a long session if we go deep and, and really give you full full disclosure of what all you need to do. But I guess the thing I look at is what is the purpose? What's the time frame? I, I'm a big guy on time frame. So if it's, uh, if it's money you're putting away for retirement and you're 35 years old, obviously you have a long ways down the road. It's a different perspective on what you want that particular segment of your money to do, as opposed to grandma gave me 10,000 bucks to buy my first house and I'm 28. Uh, I might buy a house in the next three to five years. Uh, it's a whole different perspective, different purpose for that money compared to what you just said, we just talked about for retirement, right? right? I mean, right. so there's different different uses. What am I going to use the money for? When am I going to use it? And then that helps decide how you go and invest that. But this way you are putting a purpose to that particular account. And there's a reason why I might be in a savings account because I'm going to use that money in 12 months and it'd be foolish to go into to the take markets. a bunch of risk. Yeah. Right. Why buy Bitcoin with something that you need in the next six months if, you know, Bitcoin takes a tank? Who knows? Why you know? buy Bitcoin unless you like to go to Vegas? That's true. <laughs> why gamble on something if you don't have to? But here's the thing, and this, this is uh, exactly what you're saying, Brad. Time frame's huge. Another piece of the puzzle is what kind of risk uh, factor are you comfortable with? Are you the type of person that when you see your account drop $1, you start worrying about it? And we have clients like this who have called our office multiple times throughout the years who say, oh, I just checked my account. I'm down $1,000. You know, what am I going to do? And 
you know, it's a short-term view of what's what's happened because in the long-term view, in most cases, those clients have actually had great experiences in the market. But some people can get so tunnel-visioned about their risk that it's not even worth them getting into a high-risk portfolio, you know? And so you got to ask that question too. Is this part of my portfolio, is it high-risk or is it low-risk? And why do I have it in here? Am I the person who likes to take lots of risk? Is that why I have a high-risk portfolio? Or am I someone who doesn't like to take risk, but someone suggested because of my age that I should take more, and I did, and it gives me anxiety? Those kinds of things are all questions you have to ask, but the only thing, the only way you're ever going to know that is if you understand how risk actually works. And so, right. like I say, I don't want to go deep into the weeds here, but really quick, if you don't have an advisor that gives you a range of expected returns, and so this is something that we use a lot in our office. We use what's called standard deviation, which if you've taken a statistics class, you would know that that's what is the deviation from the average bin over long periods of time. And what that will tell you is if this portfolio, if you go online and you Google it and you looked at the last 20 years of returns, it averages 5%. That's great, except it probably doesn't get 5% each year for the last 20 years. It probably has something a little bit higher, a little bit lower, and in the end, it all averages out. What you need to know is what is my expected range of return? If I'm going to average 5%, am I, do I have the potential of going down 10% in any given year and up 20% in any given year? And that range of returns gives you at least a little bit of expectation for what kind of risk you're taking. So again, that's a little bit more of the complicated side, but standard deviation is really important because you should know what that range is. So that way, when you do see a year like last year in March and April, when the markets took a tank because of the you know economic shutdown due to COVID, when markets took a tank like that, did you were you within that expected range? For most of our clients, they were. That, that was within the range of what the expectations would have been for their standard deviation. Now, if you don't know that information and you don't know why you have what you have in there for that information, that's going to be a scary time for you. Jumping out the window. That's yeah. You feel you feel a little worried about something like that. That's for sure. Yep. And we did have some clients who called and had those questions. And when we point them back to remember that range that we talked about, this is the expected range. This is normal. It gives a little bit of peace of mind to a client. Right. So um, the first question is, why do you own what you own? The next question is probably the one that everyone tells you to ask a financial advisor or anybody that does any stocks or, or investments or anything like that is, what are the fees? Get out. Hush, 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 hush. Oh, don't yeah. talk about that. Gosh. The big it, hidden thing of Wall Street. Our industry would just crucify me for even saying the word My fees. hair's sticking up on my oh, back my of my goodness. neck. Oh my goodness. You know, it, and this is so funny because I know that the majority of people understand that if someone is working, they don't work for free. So when you go to a professional, you know, whether it's an advisor or tax advisor or whatever it is, you go to that person and you get work done, you know in the back of your mind that they don't work for free. But yet, most times, you don't know how much you are going to pay for what you're getting the work for. And so this is something you should absolutely have a grasp on because it does vary. There's so many different fees that are across the board. Brett, list a couple of them that you know that um, are out there fee-wise that Things that people should know, maybe they've never even seen them before because they might be undercover or hidden behind some of the veils. Well, if you're investing um, in individual mutual funds, let's say, not individual stocks, so let's say you're investing in mutual funds, every money manager in a mutual fund has a fee and it's disclosed in the prospectus. But if you ever get a prospectus, which you always get, 
I mean, legally, they have to be delivered to you. It's just whether or not you read it, right? You won't read it because the print is real fine. So you're going to have to get your reader glasses out. Even if you're 25 years old, you got to get readers out. And then you look in there and you go, what is all this? Because there's probably 25 pages of gobbledygook. And in there, though, it does tell you what the fee of that fund is. And so the, the money managers collect a fee. And that can range from everywhere. And that's an interesting fee, too, because when you get your regular statement, you don't see that fee as a deduction from your account. That's correct. In, in most cases, almost all cases, that fee in and of itself, it comes out before you even get the returns for your account. So let's say the mutual fund has a 10% return, but the fund itself, the management fee of the fund is a 1% within the fund. You actually, on your statement, only get a 9% return. And so it's an interesting fee because most people don't even know it exists no, because it they don't show up anywhere. They don't know what the their return was. Yeah, yeah, they don't know what their gross return was. So they just think whatever I got is what I got. When in reality, you did pay a fee to get what you got. So when you're sitting down with an advisor, whether you've already done work with them or you're uh, looking to find an advisor and you ask questions, the biggest question, one of the big questions now, let's face it, it's not all about fees. It's really about net return after fees. But fees are really, really been talked about lately. That's why everybody's running the index funds because they have low fees. They tout low fees. You know, we have we have really low fees. Okay, that's great. But how do you perform over the long run? So the fees are important, but you do need to ask. Just ask, what are the money management fees from the money manager? Whether it's an index or an active traded mutual fund, which is a whole nother subject to talk about. Right. And you got to and you have to be specific because I, I know we're very transparent in our office what your all in fees are. If someone asks us, what's my fee? We go directly to the all in fee we, and we split it out. We say, here is your advisory fee. Here is your uh, expense ratio for the funds that are in your portfolio. This is your all in cost. And a custodian fee. And Don't the custodial cost. Oh, That's right. Your Schwab's and E trades and, uh, you know, all those TD Ameritrade. Pershings that are all holding your accounts. So they get a fee as well. So there's really three basic fees. Now, it doesn't mean there isn't more, but. Right. You know, so you need to know all in, all in, what is my fee each year? And don't settle for just the one number, because if an advisor tells you that your all in fee is, let's say, 1%, you need to say, well, what's the breakdown of that? Because a lot of times what advisors tell you is only what they have to tell you, which is what their specific advisory fee is, the fee that they get paid to give you advice, not fees for the no, fund itself. No, you're saying they wouldn't disclose all that right you, up front? You know, they kind of expect you to read that boring prospectus, <laughs> which is, uh, unfortunately, that's just never going to happen for most people. So you do have to be you have to be adamant about this because advisors don't like to talk about fees. And I hate to say it, it's one of the things that I hate about our industry is that there's little to no transparency unless it's legally required, which just blows my mind. If you're doing the right thing as a fiduciary for your clients, you should be disclosing every single fee at whatever question they ask. They shouldn't have to know to ask for specific numbers. It should just be, this is your all-in cost. And so make sure you're asking that fee breakdown question because like Brad said, fees are not the end-all be-all, but your net return is. And so, yes, an index fund may have lower fees, but if it's getting a return of, let's say, 5% and a managed fee is getting a return of 7%, but 
net of fees, it's only getting 6% return. It's still better to pay that 1% fee because you made more than what you did to pay less fees. And so you have to consider all those things in that as well. So just know that fees are important. They aren't the end-all be-all, but you need to know what your fees are going to be. Right. You got, remember, three things. You got a money management fee from the money manager from the mutual fund itself or an expense fee. Mm -hmm. You have an advisory fee if you're using an advisor. And then you also have a custodial fee for whoever's holding those assets. And that's wherever you get your statement from. They usually have a fee. So those are really your three basic fees in the advisory world. And I think we'll get to the other side of the world that also has not just those, but also other fees. Right. And we will get to that here in a second. But the next question, we kind of just already segued a little bit into it is, so you ask about why do I own what I own? You know, what are my fees? And then am I getting what I pay for? And so this goes into the side of, you know, it's not about all about fees. It's about what your net return is, but also it's about, am I doing, and am I getting the advice around this part of my portfolio? That's worth the money. You know, a lot of our clients, if you ask them, they'll understand that the value that Brad and I bring to the client is not about their returns. And while they may come in originally thinking that, the real value of your advisor and that advisory fee is to answer the question of, why do I own this and what am I going to do with it in my retirement plan? Really, that fee that we charge in our office is to give you a full grand scheme picture of what financial plan we can give you with the portfolio that you have. And so our advisory fee isn't just about advising you into what investments you're getting into. It's also advising you in how do you utilize those investments to retire early or retire as soon as possible or whatever it is. And so the question is, what am I getting if I'm paying for this? Am I getting really something? Because there's, and believe it or not, there's a lot of advisors and investment providers out there who will charge a management fee for index funds and then never talk to you again. They will charge you annually over and over again all these fees and they will do no planning with you. They'll tell you, oh, here's what risk factor you're in. Or they may do one phone call a year that says, hey, here's your returns for the year. But in reality, is that really worth the value you're paying for? Because you could go get those index funds and check your return in your online you know, E-Trade account fairly easy for way less cost. And so make sure that what you're paying for is actually giving you value. Right. And uh, the big tout of the day now is, you know, uh, buy an index because they're cheap. And uh, but then again, you're getting some dogs with the darlings in that index. So don't forget, you're buying everything in a specific index. And uh, there's pluses and minuses to it. So that's a deeper conversation. Hate to go in the weeds on that. But, you know, it is important to know, am I getting what I'm paying for? If I'm paying a fee to an advisor, is he doing his job? Is he helping me with taxes whenever I need to pull money out? Is he giving me ideas? Is he talking to his accountant as I talk to my accountant? Or if you don't have an accountant and you're doing your own TurboTax at home, can my advisor help me, guide me a little bit? At least on the investment side, it's right? It's huge. Okay, I might be able to make uh, go out and buy an index, a bunch of indexes myself. And I have hardly any fees. I have no advisory fee. And then when it comes time for me to draw money out, I might make a, I might make some tax errors and end up paying more taxes than I should if I'd, uh, you know, really got creative with it. And then you go, well, in the end, after I take it out after tax, I made less than I would have if I'd have just paid an advisor and let him do all the work. Exactly. So I mean, these we've seen everything. So it's all out there. But uh, I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, you you gotta you gotta analyze whether you're getting what you're paid for. Yep. Okay. So. 
Why do I own that? What are the fees? Am I getting what I pay for? And the final question, which also maybe even could be mixed in with the fee question is, is this advisor fee-based or is this advisor commission-based? And so this is something not super well known to the public, although it has been published a lot in the last, I would say, five to seven years in a lot of different um, personal finance blogs and articles out there that this is a conversation. Is my advisor an investment advisor who works for an advisory fee, which is charged on an annual basis when they're, uh, when they're an investment advisor, they are, they're a fiduciary, which means they legally have to do what's in the best interest of the client? Or is my advisor a licensed agent or uh, of a broker-dealer who is selling me an investment and just like a car salesman, he gets a percentage of that sale up front and then as well a little bit of a trail over time. And so these are big questions because a lot of people don't understand in the commission world, Brad, and you know a little bit more of this because you've been around for a lot longer in this, in this industry, in the commission world, things can get a little bit expensive and there's some biases that are tied into some of those too. Yeah. And you, when you talk commissions, you got a couple different scenarios. One is if i am uh, got a guy who's doing individual stocks and bonds, you know, he's buying and selling, there's, there's going to be some cost to, to that in the commission world, even though they'll tell you, you know, like onlines or, you know, free trades and stuff, there's costs, uh, hidden costs in there. But the bottom line is in a commission world, uh, there's different ways of getting paid and it depends on the type of investments I have. If I have mutual funds, I'm going to pay a commission up front, and then I got a 12B1 fee that I do not see. Once again, that's part of the, the fund hidden fee. fee that the advisor also gets every year, and that's called a 12B1 fee. So that's disclosed in that beautiful prospectus booklet that you get. And uh, so the 12B1 fee after the commission. Now, one thing about investments that you pay commissions are that does come out of the value of your account. So if I have 100000 and I have a 5% commission, 5000 is going to the broker and 95 is going into my account, and then there's going to be a 12B1 fee after that. And it varies. All that varies. Commissions, everything varies depending on what you're getting into. If I'm buying stocks or bonds, there's going to be a commission that comes out of that, right? So, I mean, everybody needs to get paid, and it's just whether you're getting good value and good advice in any case. Yeah, and a commission-based advisor isn't all bad. There's good commission-based advisors out there. The problem with it is is that you as the in- the investor don't always get disclosure on why am I owning this? And I've seen it before and I'm and I'll see it again. There are advisors who will sell a certain number of shares of one mutual fund and once they hit what's called a breakpoint, they get maximum commission up to a certain point. If they sell more than that, the commission starts going down a little bit for each one that they each share above that, that they sell. So they'll sell maximum amount uh, up to the break point of one type of investment or mutual fund. Then they'll go to a new mutual fund. So the reality is, is it better for the investor to have both of those funds or was it better for the advisor because he made more money for the investor to have both, both of those funds? And the thing is, it's not... I mean, it is illegal if it's ever disclosed that this is why the advisor did this, but it's almost impossible to prove that's why he did it. And he can claim diversification and all kinds of different things here. That's when things get a little foggy because there is a slight bias in different investment products that that a commission-based advisor can sell. And so you have to be very careful and know and trust your advisor beyond a reasonable doubt if you're going to go that route. On the advisory side of things, in a fee-based advisor, they are legally responsible by law to do what's in the best interest of the client, which means it doesn't matter if you have 
fund XYZ or fund ABC, it is going to be charged with a, a fee that they find that's reasonable for that investment. And then they have to do what's in your best interest, whether it's ABC or XYZ, doesn't matter what the revenue is. And so that's something to consider. Fee-based advisors have that bias completely deleted out. And so you need to consider that as you're thinking about these things. Except for the occasional rogue guy out there, which we read about probably once a week somewhere in the country, somebody went rogue. And again, that's a trust factor and always goes back to if it sounds too good to be true, uh, double check because it probably is. And that's a whole nother conversation of making sure that you're not working with a criminal as an advisor. Uh, there's lots of red flags that we can go through and talk about to make sure that your investments are safe. And like I say, whole nother episode for that. But in general, when you're analyzing your portfolio, you need to ask those four questions. Why do I own that? What are the fees? Am I getting what I pay for? And is my advisor commission-based or fee-based? And when you get the answers to those questions and you feel comfortable with those answers, you're going to be well on your way to heading towards your early retirement or your retiring as soon as possible, whatever it is. You're going to be well on your way there because you'll have an inventory. You know what you have. You know why you have it in your portfolio. And then next episode in a couple of weeks here, we're going to talk about setting your retirement date and how that plan actually starts to formulate based off of that date. And so we'll go through that stuff. But before we get to that next episode, what I really want to talk about is if you have no idea where to start with these questions. If you are kind of out there in outer space, you think, this sounds like a foreign language to me. I don't know what I'm doing. I need to figure this out. You need to talk to an advisor. And we're taking on new clients here at Fike Advisors. And so the easiest way to get connected with us is to go to fikeadvisors.com and click the Schedule Now button in the top right corner of our homepage. It goes directly to my digital calendar. You can schedule an appointment. We can sit down and talk. It's completely free for us to talk during that first appointment. It doesn't cost you anything. Really what I want to know when we're talking is, can I help you? Is, there, is this something that I can help you with? And if I can't help you, who can I connect you with that can? Whether it's a tax person or a legal advisor, whatever it is, who can I get to help you? Because you are looking for an answer to your questions. I want to get you there. Now, the nice thing that we have within our office is we have some really high-tech software that analyzes portfolios for you breaks it down in some easy to understand numbers, things that you wouldn't be able to go out and find on your own without doing a ton of research or maybe even paying for something. You can come and talk to us and we can do some of that analysis for you as a part of your financial plan. And so seriously think about this. If you are looking for an advisor, we'd be happy to talk to you a little bit. Like I say, fikeadvisors.com. Click the schedule now button in the top right corner to get your appointment. And like I say, it's completely free. We can do a phone call in person. Our in-person stuff is all socially distanced with masks on these days. Uh, we follow all those protocols. So would love to help you out with that. So as we end, Brad, any final thoughts? Well, this quick guide that we're talking about here, we aren't even given any recommendations. If you're in our office going through this process, we're on step two. We haven't even talked about what we think you should do, right? We're just talking about what do you got and let's analyze what you have. That's, you know, that's analyzing what all those assets are. And then next step, then we'll talk about, you know, the next step and it may be two or three steps, next steps before we actually get to going, here's what you really should do based on what you have told us. And a lot of times we'll give options. I mean, I give a, a couple options to almost every client and say, which one do you like better? I don't, I'm not a shove the plan across the desk to you and go, this is what you have to have, you know? The times that I've done that, 
they never work. So the times where I say, this is what you should do and this is how you should follow it without any input from someone, those never work. What really has worked well with the clients that I have that have seen success is that, hey, this is what I think you should do. Here's a couple of options and how to accomplish that. Which one makes most sense to you? And then we discuss and we brainstorm, we think through that. I've always said this, and I say this to everyone that comes through our door, retirement is a lot less of a science and a lot more of an art. It's all about being creative and designing it around things. Yes, the numbers have to check out. Yes, that science side of things where everything has to be logical does need to work out. But at the same time, this is a giant puzzle with lots of moving pieces. And the nice thing about the puzzle is it can be put together in about 250 different ways. And so there's always a different way to look at something. And so, yeah, absolutely. A lot of times you go through this process and you think, well, it's just, you know, this is a three-step quick guide, so I should be done in three steps. Well, a lot of times, depending on the situation, the three steps may happen all in one meeting, but then we may have two or three more steps after that to clarify stuff. And so keep that in mind that retirement... You wait your whole life to get there. You don't plan it in a couple of days. You don't plan it in a couple of hours. You I have hope to, you don't even think that way. Yeah, I hope not. But you do have to really invest the time into something like this, just like you've invested the time into saving for it. And so this is what we're going to help you do along the way. Yeah, you've worked hard for it. So let's do it right. Yeah, you put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into that retirement account. The last thing you want to do is not finish well with it. So That's right. I'm ducking D.C. and not listening to the news, so I'm ducking the news and ducking D.C., baby. There you go. Well, and on that note, we'll wrap up here today. So like I say, in a couple of weeks, we'll talk about our third thing that you can do to jumpstart your retirement, and that is called setting a date picking a retirement date. That's going to be a fun conversation because it's going to be loaded with a lot of different ideas of how you can set yourself up well as you head into retirement. So in the meantime, head over to fikeadvisors.com. There is a free ebook on there. If you haven't checked it out, it's called Your Retirement Map. If you go and click the link, you can just sign up for it. Uh, leave us your email. It'll go directly to your inbox. It's a four-part checklist to getting you retired ASAP. So there's lots of different things in there that maybe you haven't thought about, lots of different different check boxes and questions that you can answer that maybe push you to that next step that you haven't gotten to yet in your retirement. So in the meantime, if you have any questions, you can always shoot us an email. I'm Taylor at Fike Advisors. That's Brad at FikeAdvisors.com as well. And oh, happy days ahead. Happy days ahead. Have a good week, guys. Investment advisory services provided by Fike Advisors, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Please consult a professional before taking any action. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.